Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The person you're trying to get a statement from who testified against your son in the first degree murder trial, his name is Maurice, right? We can just call him Maurice. All right. So what made you know that Maurice was going to change his tune? He said something to a third party who's a friend of your son's? Yeah. Okay, and then they got in touch with you. So you hire the defendant for one thing and one thing only, which is to get a statement from Maurice. This is the plaintiff, Ruby Johnson. She says she hired the defendant to take an affidavit from someone who falsely claimed her 16-year-old son committed a murder. Her son was convicted, and this confession would exonerate him. The defendant didn't follow through, he didn't get anything, and she's suing him for the return of the $1,500 she's owed. This is the defendant, Dennis Croson. He says he went to meet with this witness and tried to interview him several times. Unfortunately, he was murdered before he could get a written statement from him. And he saw it, but he did his job, and his retainer is non-refundable. He's accused of dragging his feet. All parties, please raise your right hand. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Million in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Million is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. Ms. Johnson, let's go back to 1995. Your son was convicted of first-degree murder? Yes. All right. And the reason that you hired the defendant was for what? To obtain a um, sworn affidavit from from the uh, witness that testified against my son. And why and had you um, wanted to get a sworn statement? Because he now, after all these years, he said what? He said that he had been feeling bad all these years for lying on my son. And he said he wanted to make it right. And how did he lie on your son? What was it he was going to say now, supposedly? That the police had pressured him into the identification? Yes, he said that he knew my son at the trial. And he said, uh, later he said that he had never seen my son before and he wanted to recant his statement. Okay. And... And, which would um, entitle which would entitle your son to a new trial and yeah. um, and perhaps show some hope for something for his future. Now, the person you're trying to get a statement from who testified against your son in the first degree murder trial, his name is Maurice, right? We can just call him Maurice. Yeah. All right. So yeah. what made you know that Maurice was going to change his tune? He said something to a third party who's a friend of your son's? Yeah. Okay, and yes, then they got in touch with you. So you hire the defendant yes. for one thing and one thing only, which is to get a statement from Maurice. And you hire him yes. when? Uh, August the 9th, uh, 2019. Okay, and Mr. Crossan, 
when you got hired, according to you, you've been in this position before and have been able to help people get exonerated? Yes, yes. How many times? Uh, several times we've gotten wrong, wrongfully convicted people uh, released from prison. How many times is several? Uh, just, Once? Ten? Like? Uh, between three and five. Okay. So she hires you in August of 2019 to get a statement of Maurice. And according to her, it's now September of, well, not according to her, according to me, it's now September of 2021. And she wants her money back. What have you done to get the statement? The situation is this, that she appointed a, li a liaison, which was a friend of the family, that she claimed that Maurice Harp had told that he had lied at trial and that the police had coerced him to identify her son, Daryl Jones. That, that liaison uh, was hospitalized uh, for many months, and every time I tried hospitalized to contact them... I, I mean, know, that's I'm rare sure. to be hospitalized for many months. Well, he was in and out of the hospital. Okay, but why not just get the statement from Maurice? You know, you have Maurice's name and because address. Because I had no direct contact with Maurice, uh, the way it was set up. Did you up, ever meet with Mr. Maurice? Yes. So you did? Okay. And with the liaison, you mean? Yes. Okay. What happened at that meeting? He refused to give a statement, and he was, uh, like, very shook up and kind of running around and... Uh, uh, didn't want to talk to me, but he did give me his cell number. So he so said he'd give you a statement him. later. Yes, that was okay. The, that was that's August of 2019. What happened in two years? That was not August of 2019. That was August of that was September of 2020. So the liaison finds a witness, and then in September of 2020, you go to talk to the witness, and then there's supposed to be another meeting. What happens with that? I called him several times to have him come to my office because. Our first meeting was uh, in the neighborhood in North Philadelphia, and there were people around, and I thought maybe that was why he didn't want to talk to me. So I tried to set something up for him to come to my office so I could sit down with him, uh, with a notary public and my secretary, and take a statement from him. He made four or five different appointments and never showed up for any of them. Okay, so after the second one where he doesn't show up, do you go back to him with notary in tow to try to get a statement? No, I did not do that because he was never available. I called him and tried to set up another appointment. What happened, yeah. Ms. Johnson? What happens in um, February of 2021? What happened to the witness? February, what happened in, to Maurice? In, in, in February, I got a phone call saying that um, the witness had been murdered. And I, um, I text Mr. Croson. I also left him a voicemail to ask him, where do we stand now? And I never heard from him again. Uh, Mr. Croson, um, according to her, she doesn't, you, you ghost her, you don't respond to her, and then it's only when she files a small claims complaint against you that you finally talk to her. Is that true? No, it's not true. I've okay. corresponded with her many times over the couple of years that I worked on. Can I see any evidence of answering her question on where do we stand now? Uh, yeah, I, I sent her a letter. I, I don't know what you have there. What date is the letter? Is that after you were sued or before? It was probably after she filed suit. Did your son ever get a letter in January of 2021 from the defendant? No. How do you know? Not that he would have told me. So on April 28th, dear Ms. Johnson, we are truly sorry that your son is a convicted murderer. Our mission is to work for the wrongfully convicted. However, in your son's case, we were unable to uncover any exculpatory evidence. The witness that you suggested that we interview was uncooperative and unwilling to give a statement or an affidavit. 
We spoke and met with him on several occasions. That's not true. You spoke with him once, right? No, I spoke with him four times. Oh, about setting up the appointment. Maybe, maybe five times. He I was not truthful when he said, what makes you say he was not truthful when he said the detectives coached him to testify against your son? He didn't want anything to do with it. You mean because he kept missing appointments? No, because he was like running away from me when I was trying to talk to him. Right, but, it, but it's hard to say he didn't want anything to do with it when he scheduled appointments. You, you, you say that he scheduled appointments with your office. Do you have any proof that you scheduled any appointments? No. What about like a text to the mother who hired you or something or an email to the mother saying, hey, this is what happened? Not after she sues you and you've ghosted her, but beforehand, like keeping her abreast of what's happening with her money. First of all, I didn't ghost, I didn't ghost anybody. OK, so show me any communication you had with the mother between spring. August of 2019 when she hired you and April of 2021, where you tell her, I'm sorry, your son's a convicted murderer. Can you tell me can you show me any correspondence that you had at all with your client, the mother? Most of the communication was done on the telephone. Do you have anything in writing to prove any communication no. with her? See, here's what my no, problem no. is. You can't make somebody give you a statement, but you can sure try a little harder than you tried. And where are we now? We're in a position where the guy's been murdered, so all, all hope is lost of, you know, I just, I don't, I, I can understand that you're not a magician, but why would you keep the lady's retainer when that's the only thing she retained you for? It's literally the only thing she retained. Because I put 20 hours of work. Okay, now I just need you to prove that. Can you prove that you put 20 hours of work? I'm going to need proof of that. Right. Give the lady back her money. $1,500 verdict for the plaintiff. See, here's my problem. You're not a lawyer in a Wall Street office waiting for people to bring you witnesses. You're the detective. You're the gumshoe. You're the guy who's supposed to be hiding behind the dumpster to come out and say, let's talk with someone who's recording it so you can get the guy's statement. That is what you're supposed to do. That's what she paid you for. You're the detective. Oh, I stayed in my office, but I got no proof that I had five appointments with him. And now the guy is dead. So now there is no hope. So the plaintiff prevails. The defendant has been ordered to give the $1,500 fee he collected back to the plaintiff. Uh, Mr. Cresson, let me ask you, what do you think about the judge's verdict? She thinks you didn't do enough work for the for the plaintiff. Would you agree with that or not? I did more than enough work, and I was up against a circumstance where I was getting no cooperation from the witness. And the witness got murdered. Witness got murdered. All right, Mr. Kaysen, thank you very much. Uh, you have not prevailed, obviously. Ms. Johnson, this is, a, this is a tough situation for you. You are going to get your money back is what you're sued for. I assume you're, uh, yeah. you're pleased with that, right? Yes, I'm very pleased but your son is your son, on the other hand, still in jail, and there's uh, obviously no hope for, uh, for anyone to you know, give testimony to get him a new trial. Would that be correct? Yes, that's correct. So how long is he, he going to be in jail? Uh, he got life. Life? Oh, yes. So he's going to be there. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. not much we can do about that. Harvey, kind of a tough situation here. What do you think? So, Doug, here's the deal. The judge has a lot of discretion in cases like this. Did the P.I. try hard enough? And the judge simply said no. Now, the witness is dead, so there's no way that this can be reconstructed. That's why the plaintiff got her money back. If there is one person you could have dinner with and ask any question of them, who would it be and what's the question? I would say I'm going to go with Mark Twain. 
Yeah. Uh, because as I you know, I've read it. every jot of information the guy's ever written. I've read Huck Finn a dozen times, and I probably would ask him, who killed Huck Finn's father? Because it's never answered in the book, and it's, it's kind of a mystery that's out there. So that's who I would go with. And my, my alternate, if uh, Twain uh, stood me up or called in sick or something, would probably be Ben Franklin. Because ah. another great humorist, and I just would probably ask him questions about politics from the 18th century and how the hell he got France in our corner so we could win the American Revolution. Right. Something like that. How about you? I think um, I would want to have dinner with two people at the same time. Okay. That's my dinner. It's yeah. my dinner, so I can decide right. who I'm yeah. inviting to my dinner party. I suppose. I want. I don't get to go. I take. It. No, go you're on. not there. Yeah, uh, you're not there. You just keep interrupting. All I, right. I, All right. I, I would like to have dinner with Susan B. Anthony. Okay. And Martin Luther King. Oh, nice. At the same dinner, so that I can. And the questions I would ask them would be, particularly of, of Susan B. Anthony, how were you so ahead of your time, and what was it like to push others, to right. you know. To, to recognize, she was a great, actually, first thing I do is, because I, I know she was very pro-temperance, I'd right. convince her to have a glass of wine with me. <laughs> and then after I've convinced her, it's really going to be okay, one glass of wine. Then I talked sure to her. Dr. King's okay with a glass that, of wine. Right. And then I talked to her about her, her abolitionist work, her, her women's, she got women the right to vote, you right. know, I mean, a lot of right. people did, but she was instrumental. And, and, then I, right. and then, you know, I'll fast forward to 50, 60, whatever, however many years later, Right. Almost 100 mm-hmm. years later. And then and then talk to Dr. King, who is right. s- simply the best orator that has ever been born ever. Yeah, yeah I, I can't, every, every, can't argue with that. Every doctor, every um, Martin Luther King Day, I send the snippet. I have a dream that right. I send the snippet to our kids. Right. Um, just to remind them. It makes me cry every time I watch yeah. it. You know, yeah. I think it was divinely inspired, frankly. Yeah. But. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This is the plaintiff, Jasmine Gordon. She says she hired the defendant, a so-called contractor, to remodel her bathroom. And boy, was that a mistake. The guy obviously doesn't know what he's doing. She has a huge mess on her hands and is suing him for the $2,000 she's now owed to fix all the problems. This is the defendant Taylor Voorhees. He says he had a few punch list items to fix on the bathroom remodel. But the plaintiff's landlord forbade him to enter the premises for some reason. This claim is laughable because he would never leave a job unfinished or a customer unhappy. But he couldn't go back, so he owes nothing. He's accused of a bathroom brouhaha. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff hired the defendant, a contractor, to remodel her bathroom. Says the guy was a hack, did nothing right, and now the bathroom's a mess. 
But the defendant says he was willing to come and finish the job for the plaintiff, but the landlord banned him from entering the building. It's the case of flush with anger. Thank you, Douglas. Okay, Ms. Gordon, tell me what happened. Okay, so um, I made a post on a Sparta communications page that we have on Facebook uh, looking for a contractor to remodel my bathroom. Um, and I believe he was like the first or second person that commented saying that he was able to do the job. And then I was just trying to get somebody, the fast, whoever was the fastest, you know, who could actually just come look at it. Okay, so and he comes to look at it and he quotes you how much? Uh, he quoted me 900. All right. And for 900, he was supposed to do what? It was a shower and the vanity. But when he did the shower and the vanity, he knocked off some of the drywall. Okay. And then he didn't replace the drywall. Okay. And then when he put in, when he put the, the shower in, it was like he left gaps in between the walls. I don't know if you've seen it. I'm sure you've yeah, seen it. Yeah. Let's but look at the pictures. The pictures what is this? <laughs> Like, there's no lining or anything on the side. That's exactly how it was left. Why'd you pay him? Okay, that's what everybody keeps telling me. So the reason I paid is because I had so much going on, and I know that's not an excuse, but I had a new baby. I just found out I had certain things going on. I didn't even really, I just was like, maybe I'm expecting too much. You know what I mean? And I, I didn't even really pay attention to what was done when he was done. I just was happy that he was out of here because it took way longer than what I was expecting. Was your landlord going to pay for this? No, I was getting uh, knocked off of my rent. Right. So to, so the landlord was going to ultimately absorb because I'm, I'm wondering why the landlord would let you pick the contractor instead of sending his own contractor right. there. And I mean, it's just so lazy. What's going on, Mr. Voorhees? Why would you leave it the way the way I'm seeing in these pictures? Uh, I mean, drywall wasn't part of it. Uh, I, I've been doing this a really long time. Uh, not just have you left company, all of them but... looking like this? No, I have not. Okay. Uh, are you I, are you licensed I, I, in I, I any way? Been, uh, no. Okay. Uh, when I, you say I, you've I, been doing this a long time, what is your day job? Uh, I run my own company. What kind of company? Uh, so, uh, home repair. So, okay. So um, you're a handyman by trade? Uh, yeah. Okay. So if you've been doing this a long time, can you tell me how many people have accepted this? You know, I, I'm I'm not I'm not saying that uh, you know it's it's not because it, you know I I take full responsibility for it. Yes. Right, but yeah. but why would you say I'm done when it looks like this? I mean, this is her first remodel. She doesn't know, but you and I both know that it shouldn't be left this way, right? Yeah, correct. So if it shouldn't be left this way, and she wants you to return some money, why wouldn't? You, what were you doing? Trying to get away with it? Like she doesn't know better or something? So why would you yeah. not? then return some of the money if you didn't finish the job. Because I'm trying to understand how drywall would not be part of it. This is drywall that you removed in order to install the vanity, which was part of it. Drywall's nothing. I, that's why I'm kind of surprised. Right, yeah. yeah, no, it's like nothing. It's a sheet of drywall is nothing, and doing the job should be nothing. But you literally left her like this, and then guess what? You didn't get away with it because the landlord came in and said, what the hell is this? The landlord went nuts. And then, no, the landlord didn't want you back because he felt like you had already scammed her and he didn't want you back. He thought it was kind of dishonest to leave it like that. Take Did you tell out. her drywall wasn't part of it? Yes, drywall is not part of it. And no. so you told her she had to pay you if she wanted you to do drywall. No, I didn't say she had to pay me, no. But I said I wouldn't mind doing the work, but I'm not, you know, she's just got to have the drywall and then the mud. I already had mud even. Is there a contract in this case? Because you both introduced something that you call a contract. But then nothing's written on the contract. 
It's signed, okay, but then so, there's no details about what the work is. So I'm really asking this of Mr. Voorhees because it's his contract. Where is the handwriting that you fill in to the contract that says what the scope of the work is? Which is where you would put, I will do absolutely no drywall. You need to hire somebody for drywall if, in fact, you were excluding drywall. But you tell me, well, that wasn't within the scope of the work. Well, typically it would be. So I'm trying to figure out how it is that you can point to this contract and say, see, it's not within the scope of the work. Nothing's within the scope of the work, according to the contract. It's just blank. I sent over the one that she already signed. I sent over. Right. So you send me. Yeah, that's so super interesting. No, right. You send me the last three pages of the contract, but not the one that talks of the scope of work because you realize yes. that you left it completely blank and it's embarrassing. And, and here I am grilling you. No, Why did you I, not send I me just, the first page I so I could see that moved. it's blank? I did. I didn't have it. I just moved. So everything is in storage. I'm sorry. You I have, have the contract and you sent it in. Storage. You just skipped the first page. Oh, for the love no, of all this holy. Was, you're suing for $900 because you want every penny back. And then you're suing for 350 And then you would have a free bathroom. You realize that that's not fair, right, Ms. Gordon? Yes. Okay. So and I'm, then you're suing I'm for bugs. inconvenience. Tell me about the inconvenience. Um, the landlord and the person that came to look at it before they fixed anything said that I couldn't use the shower and otherwise I would be rotting my floor. So I ended up having to go to a neighbor's house with all three of my kids <laughs> to, sh to shower them. For how long? <laughs> Mind you, for three days. Mind you, I just had gotten tubal ligation. So like literally three days before he had came and finished the job. The last thing I wanted to show was the video that you had of the faucet. And let's see that. Ooh. Okay. All right, I'm ready to rule. All right, it costs you $350 to get it fixed. I am definitely ordering that he pay you the $350. And then you had an, the inconvenience of dragging three kids somewhere to go take a shower. I'm a little angry. I got to tell you, Mr. Voorhees, I'm a little angry because I, I, I almost feel as though you took advantage of her because she was so naive. And then she went, she paid you, and then boom, that's that. Um, I'm going to award another $50 for every day you had to leave with your kids, and I'm ordering him to pay you back $500 for the damages. So the plaintiff prevails. The judge has ordered the defendant to pay her back $500 for the damages, uh, plus other things. Uh, Mr. Voorhees, I'm telling you, this doesn't make you look like you're very professional at all. What do you think? Uh, it is what it is. You know, I've... I, I do good work, but I can't please everybody and some things happen. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm not proud of it. No, uh, I every day I strive to get better. So, I mean, that's all I can do. Well, I tell you, everybody sees this and not going to hire you. They're, they're going to look for somebody else to do the job. This doesn't speak well for you at all. Uh, Ms. Gordon, you learned things the hard way, unfortunately. Uh, you heard what the judge has ordered. How do you feel about it? I'm satisfied, honestly. I just wanted something. I honestly, um, something was better than nothing. I was just frustrated and I felt like he needed to learn because I felt like nobody was really taking steps afterwards, you know? Okay. Well, good luck to you. Okay. Hope you thank don't you have so to go much. down the street to take a shower anymore. All right. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much. Congratulations. You have prevailed and you've learned a lesson too. All right, Harvey. Doug, again, another case where video or photos make all the difference in the world. That in this case, the video showed the shower wasn't done correctly. That's why the plaintiff got money to repair that. But video and photos 
are king when it comes to proving something visual. I have learned so much about the law and life in general. I often wonder what happens after the verdict, especially with families. Sometimes you ask them to drop you a line. Do you ever get updates? You know, no, I don't. And sometimes I wonder if it's just because um, it's the people's court and maybe they update the producers and the producers don't tell me. I, I hope that they would tell me. So I think they just don't drop me you the line. Think in 21 years, more people would, you know. Yeah, because it used to happen out. in court in Miami. Every blue right. moon, someone would say, you know, right. something that made your, your day, you know, yes. tell you how you yeah. change your life by making them get straight and, you know. Yeah. Um, I've had people who uh, I had one person who I unfortunately sent to prison for about 15 years and he came out and he saw me and I said hello and he looked terrific and you know he said he was doing okay and turning his life around I think it was a one-time thing for him yeah Uh, but um, yeah and then unfortunately the other side of being a judge uh, in a lot of different divisions in the Miami courts is that People do randomly see you at parties or. Oh, that's going, been awkward. You don't remember me, do you? And then you're like, uh oh. I'm like, nah, I don't think I do. And then it would be, I'm trying to find out what it's all about. And you know, sometimes it's something good, sometimes it's something not so good. But you know, they're kind of over it. So. That uh, that happened to a friend of ours in a parking lot. He was a judge and right. the, uh, a dark parking lot. Yeah. Where you came, you remember me? You sentenced me to ten years. Thank you. It really changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> The guy's like, oh, no, I'm in trouble now. (laughs) These are the plaintiffs, Iris and Eric Hollingsworth. Iris says they purchased a BMW 6 Series from the defendant's dealership, and the lady sold them a car with no title. They don't know what kind of scam the defendant thinks she's running, but they won't stand for it and are suing her for the $3,000 she owes them. This is the defendant, MJ. She says she has no idea why she's being sued today. Because she received the title from the DMV, sent it to the plaintiffs via FedEx, and Eric signed for it. She simply doesn't owe these people a thing. She's accused of a title tizzy. All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiffs bought a BMW from the defendant, but they say that the defendant didn't give good title and they couldn't drive the car for half a year. Now, the defendant says the DMV was closed for the pandemic. She eventually got them title and they need to be a little more patient. It's the case of don't fall in love with a Beamer. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome. All right, Mr. and Mrs. Hollingsworth, you bought a vehicle from the company that MJ is the general manager of, correct? Yes. yes. And what kind of vehicle were you, did you buy from them? BMW 650i. What year? 2008. 2008. It's nine. Okay. And how much money did you pay for it? What was the purchase price? I believe it was 15540 Okay. So what went wrong that brings you to court today? Well, we never received the title. We've had the car since June, and we have not been able to register. And we, ha- we continue to make uh, insurance payments, monthly payments on the loan, and we have no title for it. You don't have a title today as we're sitting here? You don't have a title? Well, actually, they sent something after I filed the court case. They sent us 
what says certificate of title, which they filled out at the dealership. It never came through motor vehicles. What was it you got? Who who is a ti- whose name is it titled in? It's uh, on the front on the front of the uh, title. It says um, East Coast Auto Group. My name appears on the back of the title. Okay, what's going on, MJ? Okay, so the uh, Eric did purchase a car back in June of 2020. We had a title in-house and sent out in May. So at the time of the sale, you did not have title to the vehicle? We had the title. We had to send it out because it was a repo vehicle. So it had to be flipped back into East Coast. Okay. We got that title in May. We bought the car in June. Okay, hold on uh, one second. So the time, title becomes, in the name East Coast, what month? So because motor vehicle was closed, we didn't get that back until 107. Wow. Okay. 2020. So, so what happens, it, stop a second, just hear out my question. So what happens uh, in October, because we're in the middle of the pandemic. And so what happens in October is that they send you the title in your name. Correct. And then, and then you fill, fill out, out the, the back and give it to her so that she can register to him so that he can register it. Correct. Okay. So you don't register the car for him and get him the title in his he, name. He requested to do it himself at the time because he didn't sale. want any further delay and we can only do that if it's out of state and it was out of state it's maryland all right so you're suing mr hollingsworth for what uh i realize you had to wait a long time for your for your title but are you suggesting to me that you didn't have the use of your car during that time correct oh i couldn't i, I couldn't i couldn't even, i still don't drive it it still has the, the temporary tags that expired. Okay. When so I went to Reg- hold on one second. Why didn't you just up the temporary tag over and over, MJ? The governor issued an administrative order that people who purchased the card through the pandemic were extended until December 31st, 2020 on an expired one. I sent that into you. You, you have that, Yeah. Did you uh, send it into your customer? Paper. Did anybody from your... your- yes. You guys told them that? When did you yes, tell them we that? Two, we sent two emails, one on July 30th with an attachment for the New Jersey Administrative Order. And then we sent another one on August 3rd, 2020, once again with the Administrative Order stating that they were extended and could drive their vehicle. Did you guys get those emails? Because they're sent to you. Yeah, what happened was I reached out to them in July, when we went to register the vehicle, we had the vehicle inspected and then we went to go register it. And the gentleman at the tags and title place said, well, where's your title? Said, oh, that's right. We never received the title. That's when I reached out to them. And then they told me that it was on an extension. That- right. So if it's on an extension, why should they pay you $3,000? Because DMV was closed for most of the summer. Like, in other words, not only... Would that not be their fault unless they're lying? But also, there's no harm, no foul to you because you could have driven the car. And so I was thinking maybe they didn't tell these poor people and they didn't know. But ignorance of the law is no excuse anyway. But maybe they didn't tell them and they didn't know. But it turns out you knew because they kept telling you that when you would call them. No, no, they didn't keep telling us. I I called them. And it doesn't matter. You knew in July you could use a car. Why wouldn't you have used a car right. all this time? Why does your husband tell me that right. he's not? He hasn't used a car. Well, since December thirty first, we haven't been able to use it. I reached out to them in January when it was over. We still didn't have a title, and we still couldn't register it. 
And we're in, in March is when we received this. Okay. And this thing goes through. And, Except and she's for not that, telling by the, the way, you can say that now, and that's more reasonable, but your lawsuit is for July through May, July 2020. So you're right. saying what you're saying now, but right. July, August, September, October, November, and December, which is right. in your lawsuit, you would never be right. entitled to because there was an extension and you were driving the car. It's a lie that you weren't right. driving the car. And that lie bothers right. me. All right. Now let's talk Ms. MJ. According to you, you didn't get the title back till October. Why didn't they get the, the title until March if you got the title back in October? Because we don't send out titles without making contact. We did call them a couple of times. What proof do you have um, that you called them a couple of times? Well, I, I don't yeah, have okay. any proof but what we write on a folder. We have a, a department that does that with everybody. I'm we sorry. All you need to do is show me proof like you did with the emails. It would take you one second to pull up the email to show that it was on them that for six months, people who had been calling you about a title didn't bother to pick up a title. Come on. October, November, December, January, February, March, five months. These people wanted the title. No, I understand that. And we did the best we could to get them the title. There was a lot of, you know, there was just a lot of things we couldn't no, get No, I'm done. not understanding. No, we're not. No, 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 no. Then make contact. Try harder. Show me the proof that you guys tried to make contact and it was their fault that they didn't. Show me the proof. I mean, I don't have recorded Right, watch this. Watch this, MJ. Watch this, Ms. MJ. Ms. Hollingsworth, did they ever try to make contact with you between October and March? All right, Mr. Hollingsworth, did they ever try to make contact with you between October and March? Never. Okay, see? Never. So how did you end up getting the title in your hands? How did you end up getting it? Once we filed... Once we filed the court case, oh my gosh! And once we were in the process with people's court, they called me because the DMV. Because I reached out to the attorney general first. The attorney general sent my case to Consumer Fair. Consumer Fair did nothing, and that's when I finally said, "Well, we need to file a lawsuit or something. Who's going to help us?" And then when they got served from Union County. Then they called me because the DMV representative was there and they FedExed the, this title the next day once we were in process. So I've never done nothing with it because I called the DMV in Maryland and they said, Do you said, think Don't this lady would have filed anything. a lawsuit if she knew you had the title, Ms. MJ? From what I understand from my DMV clerk, like I said, I'm not in her office all day long. I'm all over the place. Um, Ms. Hollingsworth actually did call the office here on three-way with USAA on the phone. Which is when? When did that phone call happen? Asking for the title. That was about March. She called it in March. Right. So what did you guys do between October and March other than fail to get these people who bought a car in July their title? It's on you to get them the title. So the question is now, and I ask you again, Ms. Hollingsworth, other than lying to me and tell me you weren't driving the car, which I do not believe, how else are you hurt by the incompetence of the way the defendant's employee was well, handling it? Well, there's several ways, Your yeah. Honor, because first she said that we're supposed to do the paperwork. We are not. We filled out forms. Eric filled out forms at their dealership. They charged us $4.99 for documents. They're supposed to forward this to Maryland DMV, and the Maryland DMV is supposed to give us a title. Not them fill it out like we bought it from Joe Schmo on the corner. It was a dealership. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that, Ms. MJ. Why is it uh, appearing in her hands the way that uh, a private party would do it? Because typically when you buy a car from a dealership, the dealership takes care of titling it in your name. 
So we can reassign a title. I mean, a dealership can reassign a no, title. I know that it's legal. To... I know that it's legal. But aren't you guys? Right, the, so, did you t- did you charge like dealer prep and all that other stuff to her? No. Yes. We, How no. much did yes. she all charge you for dealer prep? Four ninety nine for documents. Ms. MJ, explain yes. to me why you are not supposed to have delivered into their hands a title in his name, as opposed to just bush-leaguing it and just signing the back when you finally got the title. You know, why? It's obvious that because you realize, oh my gosh, there's a lawsuit, we've taken this long, look what happened, and then you sign the title. If you really had it since October, why didn't you then take the time to register it in his name? Because he chose not to pay his state taxes or registration. Oh, wait, wait, say that again, what you just said. Say what you said again. He didn't pay registration uh, fees or taxes. The only tax he paid was on the tax that he purchased, not on the car. His choice was to register his car in Maryland himself. So my responsibility is to get him a title. We got him the title okay. we assigned to him. Just, just a moment. Was this being registered in New Jersey or in Maryland? In Maryland. Maryland. Okay, so where is she getting the stuff about Maryland then? She, it's obviously true that you wanted to register it in Maryland. Do you live in Maryland no, or do they you know live in we New Jersey? From Maryland. You live in Maryland. We're done. We're done, everybody. We're done. Ms. MJ, I don't love the way you guys did business. I get it that you weren't able to get the title as fast as you wanted. I get that's why the executive order exists. I get that DMV was even less helpful than DMV can be. I get all that, but it's unforgivable that you guys had it from October to March. And then when you get sued is when someone bothers to send it to her. I do think that you've breached some duty of care to your clients in making them go through all this effort, a lawsuit just to get their title. You know, it's frustrating. The level, the, the, the measure of damages is not the amounts they're asking, but it's, it's frustrating. I think you did violate some duty of care that you have to them. So uh, it's not going to be what's going to satisfy them. But based on all the trouble that they went through, I'm going to order you to, to return that dealer prep. So $500 verdict for the plaintiff. That's my judgment. This is a very interesting case because it is one of a slew of cases, probably thousands and thousands and thousands, uh, involving the pandemic. That what happens when the pandemic got in the way of somebody executing a contract or doing something they were supposed to do for a family. These are issues judges are going to be working out for years and there's no clear answer. But I think the key and the guiding light is reasonableness. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? I'm gonna go with the ability to fly. If I could just fly, that would be awesome. Everything looks better from up in the air, from up high. So that and plus, I really can't stand sitting in traffic. You know, (laughs) stop and go traffic is so maddening. I feel like I've spent about a quarter of my life in that situation. So yeah. If I could just fly, I'll take that one. You know what? I was going to say uh, making myself invisible, mm-hmm. but I don't. 
No. Want that. No. Then I then people wouldn't know I'm Too there. Intrusive. They'll be talking bad about me in front of me. I want to fly. Right. I want what you want. <laughs> and the irony is I'm willing to go on a helicopter and I'm willing to paraglide or do other stuff. And you are. I like that stuff. Yeah. So long. Farewell. Aloha. And a Zane. We'll see you next time.